people were complaining about the uh, uh, about the quality of the sound last week. They said I sounded like the guy who they who had no hips, who they lowered down the well to rescue baby Jessica, or maybe <laughs> as it was like the last SOS from the Thresher, or something like that. So um, I have taken the uh, the Oweo hat off the uh, microphone, the, the little Wizard of Oz phone thing. Does that work at all, or is it better, or is that thing not better? Yeah, I think you sound a little better, and we're also going to mess with the old equalizer on the back end, uh, do a little podcast magic, and uh, bring a little bass back into it. So, well, we got to get this sound together. So, what would be our plan B if we if this didn't work? And what are we using now? We use Skype sound. Is that, uh, or are we not supposed to reveal trade secrets? They know the woman doesn't get sawed now. What would be the option? Me going to a radio studio. Oh, or us coming up to you. Yeah, well, let's do that because uh, I, I don't think I want to start uh, cruising around. Well, here's the option. It's always so convoluted in radio. You uh, and Greg Evigan have to ride around in the BJ and the Bear truck and use the CB radio. So uh, I'd rather stay home for this. So uh, if, if, if it doesn't sound good this week, tell Sean Gosser. How do they tell you, Sean? What's the feedback loop for you? Uh, as far as when we'll hear about the quality? No, no, I'm saying if people want to get in touch with you and comment about something, I always ask you this, and I think you think I'm asking you to take on extra work, but there's <laughs> got to be some way for people to communicate with the show without you, you know, getting, uh, you know, four in the morning, hey, this is Danny in Eau Claire, I need more <laughs> treble. I'm not, don't fucking worry about it. Just what, what, how do people comment if the sound's not good for them that you'll be able to see it? Uh, they can go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating and review. That's all I'm asking, Shawnee. Jeez, what, what, what's, what's the problem exactly? You don't want me eating into your time at Venice <laughs> Beach as a caricaturist? Or what, what's, why so reticent to embrace the folks? Well, you can always direct message me on Twitter, and I'll give Sean's personal yeah, cell phone. I'll give Sean's cell phone to everybody. So there you go. All right. <laughs> well, see, even there, I backed off the mic for one second to take a sip of water, and all of a sudden it's all uh, Kevin Bacon and Hollow Man or something. <laughs> Is that what that was called, where he was doing sit-ups and he was transparent and you could see? Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> the the Invisible Bacon is uh, is called Hollow Man, yes. <laughs> All right. What are we going to talk about today? Well, Christian, how are you doing? Christian yeah. Blatt, my sidekick. Thank you. I'm, I'm doing years. great. I've uh, known you for quite a while. But uh, more importantly, how was your weekend, sir? Well, my, hey, my weekend was fab other than getting <laughs> fully roasted on Twitter <laughs> for a poorly written joke about how little known Michelle Wolf is. Now my Pittsburgh geese, I have to really overpronounce the L in Wolf because I usually say Wolf and my kids look at me, what are you kidding me? You can't hear that. <laughs> but uh, I have a tin air about the L in, in uh, Wolf and obviously uh, I, I, I thought people would get that I was talking about uh, how it was a joke about Obscuria but uh, have to take your medicine though. Uh, you know, Twitter's the Wild West. And, uh, you know, you fuck up, you're going to get dust. You're going to be the tumbleweed getting dusted around for a while. <laughs> but I would let people know that I have hired a Twitter Sherpa as of this morning. He's going to travel around with me and point out some of the less obvious crevasses that one has to uh, one has to look out for. I do want to talk about the White House press corps. Now, I did this thing years ago for George Herbert Walker Bush. And I can't tell you, Christian, how I was uh, vetted. 
I had to submit jokes all the way along the route. So you can see things have changed. I, I, I guess they, uh, the White House Correspondent Association spokesman or whoever the head is said that they had never really uh, looked at the material. And Michelle Wolf, I think one of the jokes she makes is that you should have uh, looked Look me up a little or something. Yeah, she said something that, like that. That just boggles my mind. I had to run it by everybody. I mean, geez, I had to run it by the White House Correspondents Association. I had to run it past the uh, uh, the White House. I think they they um, exhumed uh, you know Polk, the, the former president. <laughs> James, James Polk. Well, he does like to weigh in on these things. Yeah, and uh, so. To think that they're just going out there bareback. And what is the actual reaction now? I'm sure there's some people apprehensive. This is like the first time I've ever uh, agreed with uh, Mika Brzezinski. I saw something she put up that she thought it was. I just find it. Listen, I have made. I've been brutal sometimes to Pelosi. I think I have actually said I could see the Braunschweiger clip on the back of her head. I don't <laughs> know that I would have the balls to do it maybe that's my deficiency is it my deficiency or is it decorum to not do it when the woman's 10 feet away what's your thoughts on that 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 seems to me to be the the bad play there that not only is uh sarah huckabee sanders who i like i think she runs a tight shop over there god she's yeah it's like siegfried and roy you know that that room it's not exactly an easy room you remember during obama it was all just uh they really liked Obama, therefore they liked the person in front of them. It was sort of like, uh, you know, some uh, cruise of like-minded people or something. But uh, she's, she's really got to wrangle it over there, and I think she does a pretty good job. But when she's facing out at the audience, and the way she was lit, I can only assume I've been to that dinner once besides the time I performed. I'll tell you about that. But uh, she was on – she must have been on the dais, right, looking at because yes. she was so well lit. Yeah, I think she was right up there, and then after Michelle Wolf was done, you know, she sat at the other end of the dais, so they were actually, you know, not that far apart from, you know, where they were. I think. Um, well, I I was just looking at it, and I was thinking that seems particularly uh, brutal to me. But then I thought, well, what what is brutal about it? That she's there? Yeah, something about the proximity, something about her looking out at the crowd and have to lock the poker face on. And then I did look up, uh, I don't know, The Handmaid's Tale. Or what? what is the subtitle on that? Christian Real Housewives of Salem? <laughs> I mean, essentially, it's a dystopian future where uh, women aren't allowed to uh, procreate. I, I don't quite follow it. It's a show my wife loves, so I, I knew it wasn't going to be for me. Yeah, isn't it like uh, the, uh, remember M. Night Shyamalan? <laughs> Stop it. you got to hit me with a sedato dart to get me out of his name. Um he did a film once, remember, it was Ronnie Howard's daughter, and they were in a bad suburb where everybody had bonnets on, and then a jet flew over at the end? Yes. Uh, I'm trying to remember the, 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 uh, the village. It was the like village, the, yes. uh, yeah, it was the, uh, well, it didn't do too, it was like the Blair Witch Project in Turnaround, I believe, <laughs> is what they eventually began to call the movie. But uh, I think it was one of M. Night's... Uh, I think he's made a comeback since. He did that film about visiting the grandparents. Did you ever see that one? Weird thing? I have not seen that one, no. I, it's pretty uh... creepy. And then he did a uh, kung fu movie, I think. I think he's back now. But um, it was one of the films on his way out the door before um, somebody came out of the water pipe at the bad hotel thing out in the desert. You know, it was like Magnolia, but a <laughs> genie appeared out of a water pipe. 
<laughs> was it David? Was it Bart Giamatti's kid? I, I I don't know if I know the movie. So, uh, but uh... oh, you got to look it up. It's like a blue tear sheet, you know, one sheet for the lobby, and it's something. I think it might be Ronnie Howard's daughter again. Comes out of a pipe at uh, at the same sort of uh, apartment complex that uh, Mickey worked out of, and Ray Donovan when he was running the uh, hooker service out in the valley. But she comes out and she starts talking to the pool guy. I think I, I can't remember, but it's 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 pretty stunning, and uh, it's uh, <laughs> you have to give it a, a, a tumble. But that's the look on the Handmaid's Tale, sort of that crucible thing. Yes. And uh, I looked up the woman that she said she looked like, and I guess you have to be inside baseball, and I'm not on that stuff. Uh, I haven't watched that show. Um, I don't think it was compliment. Uh, you know, it just seemed rough to me. But I don't know. What are you, what are you going to do? How is the press corps reacting? I saw Mika thought that they deserved to uh, give, uh, give an apology. Is the overall word good or bad? I think it depends on what your source is, you know, like where you're looking at. I think for the most part, everybody's kind of playing it down the road of, you know, that I think a few people give it up that there were some jokes that they'll concede were funny. But for the most part, they felt like she went too far. I think the first few minutes she was probably all right. But, uh, you know, I think uh, obviously conservatives were upset the way that she joked around about abortion, which – you know, didn't seem particularly funny to me, but what do I know? And uh, I think the Sarah Huckabee Sanders is kind of the one point that everybody's, you know, kind of pointing out. You know, that was a little too harsh. You know, nobody's nobody's saying she was too rough on the president because uh, you know he's the president. It's, uh, it goes with the territory. Yeah, but uh, let me say this: I, I does anybody really understand why Trump would show at this point? I kind of don't. Remember, I used to do that joke about when they would hold the. Uh, the uh, dinner party at George Clooney's or something, I said they should go into the phone book and hold a barbecue at some uh, guy out in, uh, you know, as they call it, disparagingly, uh, disparagingly flyover country, find a guy named George Clooney and have like a burger and hot dog thing set up and the president should go there. Sam at Clooney's house tonight, whenever, you know, they were going to Clooney's house in Hollywood. He does something, a variation on that theme when he finds a place called Washington Township or Washington and he goes there every year. And I'm, I'm just wondering, everybody understands that, right? I mean, even the press corps would have to say at this point, he should show up there. It would kind of ruin the evening because I don't think whoever they hire would roll back. I can only think it would get meaner. I think it would prove one of uh, uh, Trump's things is if he did come, I think he would expect it to be absolutely brutal, a full bloodbath. I think that's why he doesn't come. And uh, I don't think anybody would feel the need as a comedian to pull up, right? Are you seeing any sort of uh, chastening of people who go a little, aren't, aren't there assassination jokes, for God's sakes, out there? And, and uh, Kathy got in trouble for the beheading picture. Yeah. But really, nobody's quite suffering, are they? I, I think she, I just saw that she sold out Carnegie Hall in like an hour or so. I, I, it's not like if Trump showed up, anybody would pull up. It would just turn into some such an awkward thing that uh, it's like, it, you know, Capote's answered prayers. Be careful what you wish for. I, I don't think you'd want that if you were in that room. Maybe it would drive home how absolutely weird it's gotten. So I think Trump makes a good move letting everybody have their evening. He goes and does his thing. They can get up there and fully lacerate him. And uh, it's it, it does seem... Well, it's obvious they hate him, and 
And uh, I, I don't know. I, I, I kind of like how it is right now. I just felt bad for the woman who was facing out to the crowd as they were disparaging her. Uh, I, like I said, when I looked the woman up on the... <laughs> I don't, there's no way to construe that. As, as being a, complimentary. Yeah. Compl- yeah. Yeah. She yeah. didn't say she looks like Elizabeth Moss, you know, from Mad Men. She's on that show, you know, so that that would have at least been uh, a little bit uh, more complimentary. And I think your point about Trump going, you know, there's also that part where then the president responds sort of like a, a celebrity roast. And there's nothing to be gained there because even if he, you know, comes with all of his bags packed and he decimates everybody, then it's like, oh, he was so mean in his response. Yeah. So we yeah, would walk out on Trump. Yeah. No, that's a good point. They, that they would be there just so that they could be filmed walking it's out. It's just as soon the as they truth. Went they want it to be. Sorry, I'm screwing with this mic. My mic's collapsing. I'm trying to get it to stand up. Um, I, honest to God, think they would just all start screaming at Trump. And, yeah. Or, or walk out on. I think they'd walk out. It would be that sort of protest thing where weren't they walking out during the State of the Union and that? Well, if that's something as officious as the State of the Union, they're going to walk out, and that's uh, elected representatives feel they can do that. Certainly journalists who detest it. How many, if there's like, let's say, 500 journalists in that room, well, I think there's more than you'd think who kind of like what he's doing. But you can't say that in-house. Can you imagine cranking that up in the editorial room or on the floor of the Times or the uh, Washington Post? You'd, you really have to think about your rice bowl. You'd be gone. Right. I mean, you know, there's there's like expressing your beliefs in a free uh, society and then there's not having a job. I certainly understand people would get lose their job not wanting to say it. But I'd say most of the people in that room uh, hate him. Uh, there would be some sort of scene. So I think he does them all a favor. I think they, they pretend to be aggrieved when he doesn't come. But in a way, I think, good, we backed him down. He won't come. Trump is able to say, I won't come. I'm not going to spend the night. You know, you can tell he's pissed off. And never the twain shall meet. I, I, all I can tell you is this is how polarized this country is right now. I actually believe, and this is sort of frightening, that the people in that press room on a day-to-day basis, they, I think they really believe that this is how hard they were on Barack Obama when he was in there. And I'm looking at it and I think, well, maybe this is where this uh, this divergence in perception, it's almost like the subjectification of the empirical. As I said. Maybe this is a graphic depiction of that. I, I remember the press room being such a different way when Obama was the president. And I also remember when he would take questions, that there was a much more of a feel. And it seems like Trump is so much more hated. But I don't think the, the people in that room think that. And that shows me that I don't think there's a fix on this. I, I think anything they'd tell you, the, you got to get by denial. And then I think, well, maybe you're wrong, Dennis. Maybe they are being kind to Trump, but it doesn't seem like that. It does not seem, and I'm being a bit disingenuous there, but I do at least concede that maybe reality is all in perception. <laughs> Who would have thought after E equals MC squared that Andre Agassi's image is everything commercial when he had the long... Uh, <laughs> the crazy long hair when he was younger. Maybe maybe that was true. Maybe perception is everything. Because I think if you asked all the journalists in there, they'd say, no, no, this is exactly the same thing that I did under Obama. And I don't, I, I don't remember that way at all. Now, let's talk about when I did it and when I went to it. 
Which one should we do first? Well, let's. Uh, I, let's I don't remember that much about right. ruling. Well, let's go back uh, closer uh, chronologically. So, uh, in 2011, President Trump was actually there at the, uh, you know, not then president. He was just there yeah. as Donald Trump. And I had a good he, look at him too. He, he did not seem to I, enjoy it. I had a good it. angle on it. <laughs> So yeah, 2011 when uh, when Seth Meyers was uh, the host, and uh, he and Obama both really uh, laid into Trump at that point. They killed it. It was the best one I've ever seen. And you know, you see clips on TV and that, and I did it once. I, I got out alive, but I wasn't any great shakes. But I, I remember being so freaked out that they had studied it so much. I thought, man, this is a minefield. And this was, geez, I, I'd love to find one was. George Herbert Walker Bush. He was in 69 through 73, wasn't he? <laughs> it's a little bit more recent. It all gets a little cloudy. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> I remember uh, I, 89 through yeah. 92. <laughs> yeah. I, I remember getting the uh, White House correspondent thing was part of a work-study program that I sent me down there to host it. <laughs> no, um, so I, I remember being so uptight when I got up there that I kind of took my time, got through it. I would give it a C minus B plus or uh, C plus B minus because, you know, it's, it's just a, a tad above good. But I, I do remember it being a tough crowd and they were all looking askance. And I was there with a Republican president. But uh, to be honest, it hadn't gotten as hateful as it was now. I, I, I have to be fair. It wasn't like I was walking into a lion's den, but it was, you know, and I got out of line. I think it did a Marion Barry joke, I remember. And I think uh, George <laughs> Herbert Walker Bush might have been the last guy on the Republican side that was kind of still praised you know i i guess it's tough to go all in as it is on mccain on a guy who was laying on an airplane wing you know out uh, out in the middle of the pacific for you when he was a kid and he's an amiable bloke so it was the last time the room was uh for a republican at least i believe not all that pissed off so i did okay and uh, i do remember going to the bathroom this is a weird scene and bernie uh who was the cat who used to he was under the table when the shit hit the fan uh, in the war, Bernie Shaw, nice guy. Uh, Bernie Shaw and I had to go to the um, Lou, and uh, they sent a Secret Service man with us. He went in first, and then we had to go into a stall, not for any reason except there weren't, weren't any urinals in this thing. So we both went into a separate stalls, and I ran into that crazy fucking congressman who was Gene Krupa when he was... At the glory halls, remember that? <laughs> when we were on the radio, I just I just flashed. There was some guy who uh, we called him the Tapper, and I don't mean Jake. I, I'm talking about he would go into bathrooms in Minnesota at the airport. Don't you remember Larry that Craig? Center? I was trying to remember the guy's name. Yeah, Larry Craig was, was that he would like tap his foot because he was uh, soliciting other gentlemen in the men's room in in Minneapolis. Yeah, yeah. Larry naturally, Craig. I got we flipped a coin who went next to the the Craig stall. <laughs> And believe me, this was not a time in history when you wanted to be on Craigslist. And uh, he was next to me doing the croup thing. Boom, 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 away on his uh, bass drum kicker. And uh, when we came out, when we came out, we were only out of eye shot for these guys for a second. They had to uh, frisk us. Wow. So I come out of the stall, guy frisked me. I start walking towards the door of the bathroom. Yes, after uh, washing, they didn't have the Dyson. Is that Dyson thing safe, by the way? Oh, I mean, the, I, the I, I admire the Dyson guy, but does that not blow some sort of uh, 
toilet germs when you wash your hands and you put it in. It's such a, a an amazing jet of air. Is it not like standing against that fence at that Caribbean airport where you get blown, blown <laughs> back? Is it putting like Andromeda strain up into your schnoz when you use that? Yeah, it's it, it's. Of course, only you. This is why we've been together for close to a decade. <laughs> only Chris and I could dump that steaming pile of shit on his doorstep, and he'd say, "Yeah." Well, that's, that's what literally like. what it, the problem is with it. Is there's there's steaming feek that's just flying right back at you that was off of my <laughs> hands. You know, when I when I did the when I did the fake wash, you know, it's just so that I was seen washing my hands. But I don't use soap. Come on, I don't need to do that. I'm a man. <laughs> and then I just pretend to dry it off. You know, whatever. Um, I go then after I dry and before I get out of the bathroom, the guy frisks me. And, you know, just because I've been out of sight in the stall, per se, I guess they saw The Godfather 2, yeah. Godfather 1, <laughs> T-O-O. I then go on the other side of the door, and then the Secret Service man meets me. I said, wait a second, one of your guys just frisked me. He said, we don't have a guy in there. And, you know, all of a sudden I'm at the, uh, you know what uh, George Michael, the rest stop was, by the way. I don't. It was the Will Rogers rest stop. <laughs> That's where George Michael was best. I always said, well, you talk about never met a guy I didn't like. Or a man, well, to think that he ended up being busted at the Will Rogers thing. All the great ironies of life. So anyway, what I'm saying, Christian, is a guy frisked me inside the bathroom. And then I went outside the door. The Secret Service man was there. I said, wait, one of your guys just frisked me in the bathroom. And he said, no, we don't have anybody in the bathroom. So said, <laughs> Sorry, I had to go back and do the the Cyril Weck JFK assassination presentation on that joke, but I just couldn't leave it hanging. So um, then we went back to the table. I remember that. And I remember H.W. Bush was super cool, super funny, seemed to be great loved. And you're cordoned off and you get to see how pharaohs live, you know, because nobody can get near you. And uh, I remember I saw Bush a couple times in the interim, but then I saw him a couple years ago at some, uh, he would go out and have his each year's birthday party. And God bless us, he's, he's still good. He, I mean, I know he lost his beloved bride and uh, went into ICU, but I haven't heard anything in a while. I've heard that he's doing much better. I believe he's, uh, he's still in the hospital. but uh, Tough uh, son of a bitch. Yeah. Tough son of a bitch. And uh, he was making me uh, laugh uproariously throughout the evening. And literally when I was at the podium, I do remember telling one joke, something about Marion Derry where his wife found coke paraphernalia, if I'm not mistaken. I, I think I said the last, in this case, the last straw was the last straw. But I can't remember <laughs> if I'm remembering that or, you know, like making that up in my head or I had that joke and they weeded that out. Something about Marion Barry. And he hit me in the knee and he was, it was just so funny to me that at some point somebody slapping you in the knee, you know. And then I saw Bush years later, uh, like I said, at one of his 91st, 92nd birthday. And Ted Cruz was coming over to us because it was somewhere in Texas. And uh, I was thinking, you know, you're hoping as you're with older people. And, you know, it's funny. When I, 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 I called Kirk Douglas a while ago. I think Kirk's at 101 now. Him, Olivia de Havilland, my friend General Mueller, who lives up here. I know three people. I'm always – I find it fabulous that Olivia de Havilland is still having a dinner in Paris tonight. <laughs> and that Kirk, you know, and I, I was wondering, does Kirk even – get me anymore of course we got on the phone for a second and he's 101 but you know he, he he knew i was and when i was with bush that night i was saying well i haven't seen this guy and i wonder if he's still there uh to a large degree ted cruz came over and i said to ted cruz uh if you want to get the uh the mainstream media i shouldn't use that phrase you just say what you mean liberal journalists off your back 
you should say you're here illegally. And I remember Bush started to laugh. And I thought, yeah, he's still there. But that's a solid joke. You still can't tell. Sometimes the jokes are so good, Christian, that you can cut through the haze of aging. Oh, you know how it is. Yeah. Yeah. That's the cross I have to bear. I'm not sneaking anything (laughs) by anybody and hoping they're they're not quick on the uptake. The jokes are so freaking laser-like. No, Mr. Bond, I'm expecting you to laugh. So um, that's uh, the last time I saw Buster, and that's my memories. Uh, I'm trying to think, did I, do I remember anything else from doing it? Well, the, oh, I do remember in the green room beforehand, he told me not to say the F word. Well, there you go. I mean, that doesn't seem to be the case anymore. Uh, but I remember. He said, Barbara's here. Don't say <laughs> the F word. And I can't remember, just trying to be honest here, because, you know, you begin to, in the times we live, you wonder, do I remember this, Craig? He did say something, but I don't, I used to think he said, F, but it, it, uh, the the actual word, but as you, they get older and more deferential, you think, is this about my story or him? What did he say? He, so I'm going to say, I'm going to go from the I'm cool, I know president, he dropped an F-bomb with me, to um, I met with a, what I think is a great human who was president at the time, and I remember him asking me not to say, we'll say the F-word in front of his wife. So it was very cool. What were you going to say, Christian? Well, what I was uh, remembering was that we wanted to add to the uh, the correspondence dinner you attended in 2011 because that was the one where President Obama didn't just kill at the dais. At that very moment, he was uh, sending SEAL Team 6 yeah. into action to kill Osama bin Laden. Well, listen, first off, I got to say that Trump is being uh, – well, I don't know. He was in the crosshairs of it, so it must have – Draw, drawn his ire. I can't imagine. Is that the moment he decides to be president? But I, Seth was like, it was like uh, microsurgery. <laughs> I mean, really deft. I didn't know Seth, Seth had, I knew Seth had great writing chops. I knew he had great update chops. I didn't know he had great stand up chops because I didn't know if he has that history. And I know, granted, people say it's behind a poetry. I don't care. At some point, you're standing up there with timing. And I, I would give that a 10 out of 10. I mean, really, Christian, you know, I usually stop at 9, 8 because I want to get into the, uh, you know, Nadia Kamenichi territory where the sport's ruined for the rest of the night. But I thought, I thought Seth was on the center of the the, uh, broad beam throughout the evening, worked the pommels like (laughs) Kurt Thomas and just took him apart. Yeah. I was thinking, well, nobody's going to. Who's going to do better than that? <laughs> and, and you know it. And you know it really bothered Trump because he still tweets about it. In writing about Michelle Wolf, he mentioned parentheses like Seth Meyers, you know, saying that they're both no talented. So it's like it's still it's still in his craw eight, uh, seven years later. Well, uh, listen. Uh, then it bugged him. All I can tell you <laughs> is I had a good angle on him, and uh, he was. Uh, you could tell when somebody's. You know how much energy it takes to look not bugged. You know, it's like less, uh, more energy than being bugged. Yeah. I was watching it and I think, Christ, I'm watching Dr. Bruce Banner here. He's about to get, <laughs> you know, a veiny forehead bust out into Hulk clobber. Or no, that's been room. But, um, yeah, he was pissed off. And he's still pissed off, as you said, because <laughs> just let me give uh, propers where propers are due. Seth Meyers got as a, he got a hold of it like Reggie Jackson hitting that junction box in center. <laughs> got a hold of it. So then Obama steps up, stone killer. I mean, really, uh, that cat, (laughs) 
he did something and I don't, I listen, I can't. That's the great thing about something giving you uh, like laugh that if somebody says, what's the verbatim? I don't have the verbatim. I just remember laughing out loud because he said something on Trump. It was such a, an ingenious way. And I don't give a shit. People say, who doesn't get written for in the world? Do I, what, I think presidents are sitting down with a quill pen and, you know, <laughs> handing it off to Gutenberg to cut out some block types so they can have. No, Obama went down to the improv in D.C. He worked it out. He workshopped it before the <laughs> correspondence dinner to make sure that it killed. I can remember. I, and I, I, I can assure you that uh, he looked at uh, Valerie Jarrett after the proprietor of the improv. Uh, gave him his notes and said, was, was he wearing a monocle? Because I remember when Bud used to give me notes at the improv, Bud Freeman, he'd have a monocle in. Saying, I'm getting line readings from Werner Klemperer here. Thanks for putting me on, Bud. The, uh, the monocle always weirded me. Now, what is the monocle? Is that complete? I think, do people wear clear glass monocles? Is it really just a, how do you say that phrase, pince-nez? Pince-nez, pince-nez. Uh, they used to always wear those glasses uh, that were down on the front of your nose. But a monocle, half a pince-nez. I used to be in an improv troupe, I thought, taught by uh, uh, Harvey Lembeck's son, Michael Lembeck, called Half. <laughs> Get me out of here. Um, somebody, um, so... Um, what was Obama uh, up oh, there, yeah. Okay. He was doing a thing about... Uh, Trump was still hosting The Apprentice, and he was talking about world-shaking decisions. And uh, he said that, uh, you know, this, this job is about hard decisions. Donald making hard decisions on The Apprentice this week. Is there, uh, yeah, well, let me just, uh, Little Wayne, Gary Busey, <laughs> running, competing deep-dish pizza. And I'm, like I said, I don't remember verbatim. <laughs> And uh, Donald came in and made the Solomon-esque grueling that one would sell a thin-sliced pizza and one would sell a <laughs> deep dish. And then he took the longest pause of Trump. You literally, it's like a tea kettle. You can see the steam rising. <laughs> and Obama says, uh, well played, sir. Well played. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, it was deaf. It was sort of the Nichols and May feeling. The guy who was the killer on stage. And, you know, I'm not a... Um, seems like a very cool guy. Seems like a great guy. I can't say I voted for him. But as I walked out of there that night, I thought, boy, that is about as uh, smooth as you can get at that. So Trump was stealing. But I don't know stealing. Stealing that you walk out and you go, I'll fix him. I'm going to become yeah. the president. I don't <laughs> think it's like that. But I do remember... Uh, he had an interesting look on his face. Now, here's the here's the wildest part of this. Now, Christian, you've known me so long. Who's my biggest hero? Who, who? Uh, well, I hate to put you in that position, and you don't know it, and I uh, feel like, but I've mentioned many times that I like the author, Michael Crichton. Yes. I, I think he's a genius. Uh, and I have read his book, Travels, three times in my life. Now, whatever year that was. 2011. All right. I'm staying at a hotel uh, up the road from the front of the White House. I don't know quite know what it is. It's a nice hotel. Maybe it's a Hyatt something. I'm on a high floor. And I, the book I have is my third read of Travels by Michael Crichton. It's his one 
while one would say that even his fiction had a verite feel, this is his nonfiction book uh, about things he had done in his life. And like I said, I'm fascinated. It's from, it's from medical school all the way up. And uh, I'm not kidding you when I say, and I, I will only cloud this because I think if I say it, what I actually think happened, people are going to say, you shit. But I swear I had put the book down without a bookmark where you rest it, and, you know, and the, the, the spine collapses. Um, on this one chapter, and I think um, Carolyn said, something's happening. And uh, I said, well, what do you mean? She's there. Uh, Osama bin Laden is uh, trending. And I said, well, did, did he write an awkward joke about Michelle Wolf? <laughs> she said, no, it's not that bad. <laughs> she said, I don't know, he might be dead. Turn the TV on. I turned the TV on. And this is, this is six degrees of separation. But uh, Will Smith wouldn't kiss him, would he? Did no. I remember oh, that? He would not, yeah. Yeah, because he said down the road he'd have to be in Independence Day or something. And uh, always be closing. Can I say that about Smith? He had the Glengarry Lee's. He was Ricky Roma. Always be closing. I turn on TV and they are talking about an incident in Abbottabad. The chapter I'm reading or that the book is open to in travels is about Shangri-La. Let me read the beginning. And take it takes. I know when people hate it, but it's only like it'll take. A minute. Five years after hearing my friend Peter Kahn talk about his visit to the fabled place Shangri-La, I too was going to Hunza, the tiny mountain state known as the original Shangri-La and traditionally closed to foreigners, had been opened the year before. It was a place where the people were beautiful, intelligent, and immune to disease, where they lived to be 140 years old on a diet of apricots, where they existed in harmony and a spectacular mountain setting cut off from everything that was bad and corrupting in the civilized world. That was Hunza. I was excited to go. And then he talks about where they were holding till they went there. In Islamabad, our group waited for two days for a plane to Jiljit or whatever. I don't know. One of the staging areas for the trip to Hunza. Now, what are you kidding me, Christian? That absolutely blew my mind that I, I had never heard of uh, Islamabad. But I, I read that earlier I think it was very close proximity to hearing that word on TV. But like I said, I think you tell the story and it eats into the efficacy of it because people say that's too weird. Somewhere in the previous two hours, because when they when I saw that word and it's such a funny word, you know, in a way, because it almost repeats. It's like a stutter or something. Islamabad. Or is it Abbottabad? This is Islamabad. (laughs) This is as llama bad as it gets. But I remember you telling me that story literally the day after. And yeah, it's it's not one of those. Well, I've had the whole story wrong if it's not a badabad. Is Islamabad a badabad? I, I I can't say I know. I thought I thought that you said a badabad the first time. Yeah, but now I'm reading the book. It was Islamabad. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. Yeah, these aren't even enough. See, people want to get mystical. <laughs> we have a longing to be mystical. <laughs> <laughs> Let me look this up. Sorry, why would I think? Uh, Abadabad, Islamabad. Eh? Hey, Abada. Hey. Abadabad. 
sorry, folks, you have to go through this. Um, distance between Islamabad and Abbottabad. Can you believe that's on the internet? I think everything's on the internet. That's 81 miles. Yeah, I read. Show's over. Nothing to see here. <laughs> well, glad I could entirely take the air out of the balloon. That was, that was the Dennis Miller option. Wait, wait, here it is. Here it is. It is in the chapter. It says we stop for... Oh, thank God. I thought for Chris. It said our Pakistani driver had been hired because he knew the road. Uh, for the first few hours, we passed flat wheat fields, neat villages, camels on the road. We stopped for lunch in Abbottabad, a town with many old British colonial buildings, there which had once been the furthest outpost of the British Empire in this part of the world. And uh, from Abbottabad, the land became more desolate. All right, so they stopped for lunch in Abbottabad. So, yeah, I, I, hallucinating there I again remembered the story from seven years ago that you had read Abbottabad, so I got all confused. I'm glad that so they uh, went from Islamabad yeah. yes. and they went up over Mulholland and they had <laughs> lost cell service. That's why the story got confused. Yeah. Then they lunched in Abbottabad on their way to Hans. So I had seen the word Abbottabad earlier and thought, what a weird word. And that, that's why I thought it repeated because Islamabad doesn't repeat. But Abbottabad, Abbottabad, Abbottabad. Or, hey, I bet, who's on first? <laughs> so he went through a bot about I just read that word in the look up and I see it again. And then here is the wild part. People, I hear people outside in the street just running and they're going. You remember that great scene where every young person within uh, miles of the uh, White House started running. And I looked outside and it was just they were like hauling ass down the street, heading to the White House for a celebration. Now, what a weird scene to come back from that. And and then your mind to be triply blown to think that Obama was offing him kind of close to, or knew he was offed when he was yeah. on stage. Yeah, I think it, it, he the, the mission was underway at the point while he's there and laughing at jokes from uh, Seth Meyers about how they can't find Bin Laden. And, uh, and here's the weird thing. To this day, you can tell it rankled Trump because he won't concede that uh, Bin Laden's dead. <laughs> yeah, like he killed him. Right. I eventually met the guy who killed him. And, uh, you know, the red-haired guy you yeah. see on TV once in a while. And uh, he was so matter-of-fact about it. Maybe he was talked out on the story or something. You know, I remember thinking I'd, there are people who are still dining out in a catch they made in the JV game in, like, 68 uh, but uh, he was sort of like he didn't want to talk about it. But soldiers are like that. I, I, I remember one time they did that bike race here, uh, Christian, and there was a guy at the bike race, the Ride for the Heroes, mm -hmm. and I went up and entertained at one of their stops. And then he was going to speak after me, and he held the record and uh, for being shot in one mission. And it was, I swear, it was in his, the 20s. The guy took like 20 bullets. And he was telling the story, and he said, well, I kicked the door in, and there was a bad guy to my right, and I shot him a lot. <laughs> 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 Which maybe uh... I just thought this is a matter of fact. These guys are they're like Achilles or something, you know, but they're poo-pooing, uh, you know, burying the lead. I shot him a lot, made me laugh so hard. All right, well, I'm thankful Abadabad turned up in the story. I just read the first chap. I read the first page. The next stop after Islamabad was Abadabad.
88 miles. Always use AAA when you're, and you know, Christian, I know you love to rent a, rent a uh, convertible, drive through that area of the world. And I'm just saying, push through uh, as Janet Lee did. You don't want to stop in a, uh, a bada bada. Go through to the Bates Hotel. Yeah, All right. Um, what else is happening in the world? Um, can Trump get a Nobel Prize? I always wonder if the Nobel Prize uh, is worth anything, Christian. And let me say this. It's not about Obama. They can give it to whoever they want. It always seemed like an honorarium to me. I think uh, Arafat got it, right? Yes. Uh, yes, sir, well, Arafat the, did indeed get it at one point, yeah. You must feel like you're on college jeopardy or something. But, you know, I'm just coming to you for texture, sinew. But uh, if I'm querying too hard today, I can back off. You want to no, go no, 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 no. We're doing this. Lotus for a while? <laughs> I'm I'm always downward dog while we do the show, but uh, in the age of Google, uh, I think it's a lot easier, so don't worry about it. All right. Well, um, I have not trusted the Nobel Peace Prize, surprisingly, since Yasser Arafat got it. So, you know, I never even made it to the Obama thing. At that point, I I figured they had screwed the pooch on the awarding it to Arafat. But I always look at these as... there are famous compensatory gesture signposts throughout history, and that certainly is right up there, the Nobel family fortune on dynamite, right? Yes, exactly. And I don't mean script writing for Jimmy Walker or the good times. <laughs> I mean, that's a whole different story. Uh, that was the Pulitzer's. Pulitzer's, if I'm not mistaken. No, um, that was a story behind the Pulitzer Prize. The Nobel Prize, they invented dynamite, so on your way out the door, you got to level your car. Right. What's the award? It's some shit award. It's not like a great award, is it? The Nobel Peace 80, Prize? 80,000 or something? Yeah, I don't it's, I, I, it, it didn't blow your mind. No, I think, uh, it's, I think it's mostly air miles on United Airlines, so you can't really do that much with it. I fucking Nobel Commission doesn't allow you to keep the airlines. They're pulled. <laughs> that's, that's part of it. And then they make a donation in your name at Christmas. Thank you for that. Thank you, Dr. Rightoff. So, um, Nobel comes up with a Nobel Peace Prize. So, um, Andrew Carnegie, every time I see one of those libraries, I think he's leveling his karma on the way out the door for the East Homestead thing, where, uh, you know, listen, some of those guys you read about, Westinghouse, uh, he sticks in my head as somebody who treated their employees kindly, or as kindly as he did at the time, you know, it was, uh, you know, you go all the way back to pyramid slaves or something, Seems like uh, potentates take advantage, and that's why the union thing comes in. But before the union thing, I think they're trying to unionize in East Homestead, and because I believe their salary is like one buck a day or something, and they send Pinkertons out, you know, those crazy bastards in the bowler hats. It's not like today, where, you know, it's a guy and Barney fifed up and bringing change into a bank. At that point, they were like Jack Sullivan. And they uh, come in, and somebody got killed at East Homestead. It might have been more than one, six hurt, something. And I always thought that instead of paying his employees, this is what he did, Carnegie. Carnegie. And uh, so he builds the libraries, because on his way out the door, he wants to level his karma to some degree. And you're thinking, couldn't you have at least given the union the two cents a day charge on the outstanding book or something? You know, did, did it have to get to the point where you send in thugs to break it up? And then there's uh, that place up in San Jose 
called the uh, Winchester Mystery House. I think there was a movie about that recently, which is odd. You know, the woman inherited the fortune of the Winchester guy, and she was freaked out that the uh, ghosts would come get her, the people killed by her husband's rifle. So she built on that place for the rest of her life, like from the moment he croaked through the end game, uh, just so they couldn't find her at night. And, you know, granted, there must have been some local contractors who were playing that up big, you know. You know, those guys are coming. She's nuts. Tell her the Joyce's are shot, you know, and it's all of a sudden it's a money money pit. And uh, if you go, have you ever been there, Chris? I have not. I've uh, I've heard tell about it and uh, I did well, not see the Winkies. It's like going to Elvis's place where you drive down the road, you go uh, manicure place, uh, coffee bean. A uh, big airplane in the middle of the road, Graceland. It, 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 it's like the Winchester Mystery House. It seems to me, I remember it sitting near some fast food restaurant. It doesn't look all that odd. Then you get inside. It's like, uh, you know, like like an Escher print or something where everything's, uh, oh, let me get my teakwood back scratcher here. <laughs> I'm so glad oh, you still have the Chris. back scratcher. Oh, Christian. I feel like the dog who got the cookie and floats in the cartoon. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, but the Winchester Mystery House, once again, a uh, vibrant, living, organic testimony to human neurosis and fear. So I always look at the Nobel Prize like that. So I don't know if they want to give it to Trump, fine. But I, uh, you see this picture. It's it's like, I don't know. Is this like a false start or? What's the story on South and uh, North Korea? I see the the South Korean president's trying to emulate uh, Patrick Swayze in North versus South, who's <laughs> appearing here in a ruffled shirt unbuttoned down to his navel. Not a good look for him. And you can see Kid Bento's freaked out. He doesn't know whether to hug him or back off. Wouldn't it be weird if we finally almost got these countries together and uh, uh, the one who, like, got clumsy with it was a South Korean guy? <laughs> yeah. You know, and Kid Crazy says, well, I was going to have it was an overplay. The, you know, immediate intimacy was forced, and therefore I have to back off, not for any geopolitical reasons, just uh, yeah, too, I was, too much, too soon. I was ready to sign whatever he wanted. That but... awkward grab for, that awkward searching grab for a breast on first date or something. <laughs> I would have signed whatever he gave me, but then I got the Facebook request, and I was like, no, I'm out. And this picture at the top of Judge, aren't they in front of one of our U.S. dollars? It looks like they're in some. I'll tell you one thing where we lead the country is wall uh, paper. Every time they go to another country, the fucking wallpaper is just a nightmare. They don't even match seams. Look at this thing. Can I tell you? That's why there's a civilizational war. People in other countries, wallpaper applique artists, do not match seams. And that's going to catch us <laughs> at some point. That's not overcomable. Um, and that's what people come to the Dennis Miller option for, that kind of insight about wallpaper. All right. How much time are we doing, though? What do we do today? We, we, are, we are past time, really, you know, because uh, – you know, Well, I, want, I do want to talk about the Avengers for a sec. Please do. And by the way, if you could have one superpower, Christian – well, I'll give you a second to think while I tell you mine. It would be uh, knowing what everybody made down to the cent and then using that information against them. Oh, I think that would be Can you imagine that? You're fighting somebody who's like – who, Magneto or somebody who's really – who's super strong on the enemy side. 
yeah, I know we got Hulk and Ben Grimm on our side, but who's super? Who's a guy known for his strength on the other side? I grabbed Magneto. Well, this film revolves around Thanos. Uh, He is uh, sort of an all-time, but of course, Doctor Doom is a little bit better known, probably. All right, so let's say Doctor Doom. Like uh, he comes in and he's you know trying to Vader you, lift you up with the mind, (laughs) and throw you into a wall, and you look up and just say, "Hey, fuck cat, you're taking home eighty-seven a year." And he's staggered, but you know, <laughs> just a thought. W- would you not render him impotent at that point? Yeah, I mean, he'd, he'd crawl back to Latveria at that point, Doc Doomwood. All right. Your superpower, please. <laughs> my, my superpower is to be able to type into Google without you hearing the sound of my fingers typing. That's the superpower that I've utilized over the past hour. Well, listen, uh, I'm going to put that on you because nobody has more cloven hoofs when it comes to typing. Hey, I'm all thumbs. Have you looked at your kids' thumbs? Oh, your kids are too young. You don't have that baby texting already, do they? No, not yet. Uh, Yeah, we we still have him doing voice-to-text on his his iPhone 8. But, uh, you know, he's not going to get the X until he's in kindergarten. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Maybe I stumbled onto something here. Would, Would it not serve the child? Hmm. What about a, a subdermal implant of a keyboard into the amniotic sac? Waterproof, of course, or whatever is it. Well, yeah. Where the kid learns to text while in the womb. So you don't have to spring for the monitor in the uh, bedroom. Rather, the kid has a little handheld. Granted, the keypad, you probably would go, uh, you would avoid some of the more arcane uses of the keyboard. There wouldn't be shortcuts, or I, I don't know if I put the and sign in there, you yeah. know, that G cleft that looks like it's turning in <laughs> on itself. But just some basic stuff like help a button, help button, like a court reporter, where the kid could text you if he uh, was having a, a bad night, duress, bloating, some sort of croup, where the kid could literally just say, uh, "Need you." That's that's what I'm hoping for right now. You know, I mean, I go out for the night and when I come home, I'll be like, how how was your night? If he needed something, he should be able to text me. Text. I like that. idea. Yeah. And then you come in you know, at night. You're just about to doze off. And you wonder, I hope he's OK. And he, you look, he's texted you. Uh, hashtag <laughs> blessed. And the sound you could give it would be a, a little, ah, you know, a little baby sound. Yeah. Love it. Um, OK, but, but the Avengers, what I wanted to talk about is they can't lose here. This thing can balloon out. Forever, because I see what they do now. It, it, it's like they add somebody and broaden the. It, it's it's beautiful. It's, it's like so many stars, as Kier Delay would say. Um, you, you, they just add somebody. Like I, I swear, I was watching the trailer, and it's like uh, Doctor Strange is playing Pacino with the <laughs> the raccoon from Guardians of the. Is, is that yes. possible that they've added the? Uh, the creature of the forest. Yeah, they're they're all there. Yeah, the uh, and uh, you've got you've got Black Panther now. I mean, and there wasn't even room for Ant Man. You know, there just there wasn't enough time in no. the movie for him. And the strangest one to me, Namor, the Submariner, <laughs> chatting up Roy Cohn from the House on American <laughs> Activities, in a cape, no less. I what is all right. Namor was willing to name names. That's the problem with him. We didn't even get to Kanye. We'll have to talk about him next week. Even is Kanye is he is an is he an empath or is he a tactician? That's what I'm wondering here. I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, 
I, I can't quite tell. He's got he's going to drop something soon, right? He's yeah. got a new product to drop. Always. And I can't tell if he's had some sort of uh, empathetic breakthrough or uh, he's, uh, you know, uh, Scipio fighting the Carthaginians. <laughs> you know, the master tactician. What does that sound? Do you hear that? I don't. Oh, I hear things. Oh, somebody's calling me. All right. Well, that's the sign to go. That was uh, the Dennis Miller option, too.